You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. So for those of you that are here for the first time, uh, I really like to do confessions. I think in the fall, I will begin to do them every week again. It just gets that word in us. The Bible talks about storing up the word richly, and there's just something about confessing what God says and coming into agreement with it. And so uh, for, uh, we often get asked if people can have a copy of these confessions. They are just straight out of the word of God. And, um, but I tried to include the scripture references uh, with them tonight. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are the works God performed when he made me. And my inner self is going to begin to walk in that truth. Absolutely, no weapon formed against me or my family shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, every tongue I will show to be in the wrong. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over oppression Opposition and triumph over opposition. Let's make that what it really is. And triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness or the vindication which I shall obtain from God, which he shall impart to me as my justification and vindication. I have the mind of Christ, and that same mind will bring me revelation, guidance, and direction. God has upheld me I don't think you get that. God has upheld me since my birth and has carried me since I was born. And even to my old age and gray hairs, he is my great I am. He is the one who will sustain me. He has made me and will carry me He will sustain me, and he will rescue me. God says, every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and every hill will be brought low. I declare that the crooked places in my life shall be made straight. And the rough places places 
shall be made smooth. The glory of the Lord is going to be revealed in my life. And all flesh is going to be a witness to it. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will never grow tired and weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He understands me. He gives me strength. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He's giving me strength. He's increasing my power. Youth may grow tired and weary. Young men may stumble and fall. My hope is in the Lord. My strength is going to be renewed. God has promised me that I will soar on wings like eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not be faint. I'm going to be strong and of good courage. I'm not going to fear or be afraid. For the Lord my God, He is the one who goes with me. He will not leave me or forsake me. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord and I will declare all his works for he is more than enough. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I have a friend last week came up to me and she reminded me that, that I'd given her this verse a number of years ago when she was going through some trouble in her family. And she brought it back to mind last week. And, and all week long, I had just been going back and revisiting this passage. And, and while I may have taught it before, I want to teach it tonight, perhaps in a different way, and draw out some things that I did not see before. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anoam and the, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abthar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. 
So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Basor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. So David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant, slave of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind, because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, and they were there, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing, absolutely nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. I love it. David recovered all. I want to look at this passage tonight, and, and for those of you who are new, I, I'm a preacher, I love to preach, but tonight I want to teach a little bit, and so we're going to go slowly through this passage, and we're going to look at other, some other corresponding passages, and we're just going to take our time as we walk through this passage. There's just so much here that I want to, to just give you just a, a glimpse of so that you can take it home this summer and continue to study it a, a little bit more. This, this, there's a wealth of information in this passage and so would you just take a moment and pray for me or pray with me before we begin father i thank you i thank you for your word and lord you know there's so much that i want to say tonight so much that you have shown me and father i pray that i would not interfere with what you want to do or say in this place i pray father that you put a lock over my lips and let me say only what you tell me to say give me ears to hear your voice like i've never heard it before and i pray father that your word when it leaves my mouth would have such a spirit of wisdom and revelation attached to it father that by the time it reaches the hearers ears lord that that it would be a direct word from you into their heart into their mind setting them free like they've never been free before bring us revelation Guide and direct this teaching, Father, I pray, and bring yourself glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I think we buy into the fact that if you love Jesus, nothing bad or painful will happen to you. If that's the case, I've, I've been royally ripped, can I just tell you? And, uh, uh, but, but I want you to see that David is a man after God's own heart. 
He, he loved God. And, and yet, here in this story, it's really important that we look back just a few chapters and we see how David got into Ziklag to begin with. This is really important because it'll give you just a deeper glimpse of what's happening in this story. If we turn back just a couple chapters into chapter 27, we, we will see that, that David came, he, he's running from Saul. And, and he's really afraid that, he's gonna, that Saul's going to kill him. And so he decides, he says in verse 27, verse 1, there is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines where, where Saul will despair of me. Because Saul is trying to kill him. He wants to escape. And, and you know that the Philistines, anywhere you see that in the word of God, is always symbolic of the enemy. And so what we see here is that David is running to enemy territory. He's escaping and fleeing to enemy territory. Life is hard. Things are, are overwhelming him. He's weary of the battle, and he's running to, the, to Philistine territory that should not be. He has no business in the territory of the enemy, in the land of the enemy. The Philistines were mortal enemies of Israel. You need to know that. And here we see David in chapter 27 going to the king and saying, would you just give me some land here that I could, that I could live in? And the Bible says that Saul heard that he was living there and didn't even pursue him anymore. You see, but when, when the enemy has control of your life and you're living in his territory, you're not a really big threat any longer. And so you have to ask yourself, what was David doing there? And how did he get there? And so when it picks up in Ziklag, Ziklag is where, uh, the, where God or where the king gave David to live. And so David had been living there, I want to say, for like a year and four months. And, and he comes to Ziklag. Now, the word Ziklag means winding. It's, it's an interesting word, uh, winding. He came to winding. Well, when I was born, yeah, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, and, and we lived on this, this rural highway, and, and it was a straight stretch, and people could really speed, and, and, and it was just a, a, just a straight stretch and then all of a sudden at the end of that straight stretch there was a big curve and and there were so many accidents that took place on that curve because what would happen is you'd be going along smoothly traveling along smoothly and then suddenly there's a curve in the road and and it never failed I can't even tell you how many accidents took place on that curve because people weren't ready for it Ziklag is a lot like that David things were going along smoothly for him and and all of a sudden he hit a curve in the road, I wonder how many of you are in Ziklag tonight, where things were going along smoothly in your life, and then suddenly there was a curve in the road, and it sent you spinning, sent you out of control. That's where David was. He's coming back. Actually, he's coming back because he wanted to fight with the Philistines. Now, think about that. The Philistines, as I said, are the mortal enemies of Israel, and David is willing to go fight for them. What is up with that? It's a picture of compromise there. And, and so David comes back, not even the Philistines, they didn't even want him to fight with them. And so he's coming back a bit dejected, but, but he's coming back with these men. Uh, I want to say there are 600 men there with him. And, and they come back to Ziklag, to Winding, and they find that the city has been destroyed by the Amalekites. It's, it's absolutely decimated by the Amalekites. And not only that, their city's been burned to the ground, it's been consumed, and, but not only that, their, their families, their wives and their children have been taken captive. Only we know that because we can read the scripture, but David and his men had no clue they were taken captive. As far as they knew, their wives and their children were dead. So can you imagine, everything's going along smoothly, and they come back to camp, and they're hoping to be greeted by their family, and all of a sudden they find the places smoldering with fire, and their, their children and their wives are nowhere to be found. 
And the Bible says that they began to weep until they could not weep any longer. I just wonder if you've ever been in that place where, where, where you've cried so much you don't think you have another tear that you can cry, where you've wept until you can't cry anymore. I wonder if you've ever been in that place. It's your ziklag. The word ziklag, it's interesting in the original language. It comes from two separate roots. This is so interesting. Stay with me here. It's fascinating. Uh, the, the two separate roots, one describes the exertion of pressure upon something. It means to pour out or to melt. It's a picture of pressing down. In fact, the second part of the word, the second root, denotes pressing someone mentally in order to bring out what's inside. It means a bringing forth of something it contained internally, which is done by applying pressure. Do you, do you know that the Bible talks about coming forth as gold? Do you, I just read a couple weeks ago, the Lord took me to this passage. I was meditating on it about consider it pure joy, my brother, well, when you encounter trials of every kind. I was, I was studying the passage that says, uh, glory in your tribulations. I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? I am positive that I cannot glory in tribulation. Who here wants to glory in tribulation? Who wants to consider it pure joy when you encounter trials? You, some of you are sitting here tonight and you are deep in tribulation, you're deep in trial, and you hear God say, consider it pure joy? What is up with that? And he says, glory in your tribulations because that's building character in you. It's pressing down on you, that word. It's pressing down on you. It's your ziklag, a pressing down in order to bring out what's inside. I'm in a trial right now, anybody besides me there. I have a ziglag going on in my life right now, and I really, really quite despaired about it for a little while, but then today I kind of, I just kind of got back up. Anybody ever fallen and got back up? I'm back up, and I just want to send a message to the enemy. I am back up. But it's a ziklag, and I said to this morning, I said to the Lord this morning, this pressing down, because any ziklag you've ever been in, any trial you've ever been in, any tribulation you have ever encountered will press. And it's the Lord. It's the Lord saying to the enemy, guess what's inside of her? Guess what he's got inside of him? Go ahead and press, but I know what's coming out of them. I know what they're made of. I know what I put inside of there. And do you know the reason I can consider it pure joy? The reason I can glory in this tribulation is because I know that somewhere inside of me, God puts something that's good, that's good and it's going to be exposed through this fire. Do you know that, in, that, that a, a gold, uh, a, a refiner, well, when he's refining gold, he turns up the fire. Y'all know this. He turns up the fire as hot as he can possibly get it. And the dross, I got some dross in my life. Anybody besides me got some dross. He, he turns up that fire and he makes it as hot as it can possibly get and he skims off the dross. And then he heats it up again and he gets as hot as he can possibly get it. And the, the, the impurities rise to the surface and he skims it off and he keeps going. Do you know how long he keeps going? Until he can see his reflection in it. And I don't know how many of you are in a ziklag, how many of you are in a trial, how many of you are in a tribulation and can't consider it pure joy and absolutely don't want to glory in it. But can I tell you, that tribulation is going to bring out some character in you. God is going to use it because he uses everything that the enemy means for, 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 for evil. He turns it around and uses it for good. And so start you some glory in 
Start considering it pure joy because here's the message I want to send to the enemy tonight. I don't care what he brings at me. I got some stuff down in me that God is going to bring out and he's going to bring character out of me. And you think I preach now, you just wait till I'm done with this one. You just wait till I'm done with this one. And that was David. Here's David, and he is in enemy territory here. And what are you doing there, David? You should never have been there to begin, to begin with. And he's coming back, and, and all he sees is devastation and destruction around him. A number of years ago, I was sitting on my basement stairs, and, and things had just been coming at me. And I opened my Bible, and I was crying. And I opened my Bible, and I read the scripture. It said, everything I treasure lies in ruins at my feet. I, I wonder if anybody here feels like that, that everything you treasure, everything that ever mattered to you is now lying in ruins at your feet. If you haven't been there, take good notes because I promise you a ziklag is coming. And I bet that's where David felt. I bet he felt like everything he treasured, my city, my possessions, all I have are the clothing on my back. Everything's been burned. My wives have been taken captive. My children have been taken captive. He doesn't know where they're at. He doesn't know how to get them or if he's even going to be able to get them. Can you just imagine what he felt like? And the Bible says that they began to weep until they could weep no longer. And then if that wasn't enough, because you see, my mama used to say uh, that trouble comes in threes. <laughs> if that wasn't enough, now David's men turned on him and they wanted to stone him. And I love that David didn't look to one of those men. He didn't look to a spouse. He didn't look to a confidant. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. You see, so often we want to pick up a phone and have somebody else encourage us. We want somebody to, to pray for us and somebody to, to, to break this thing off of us. We, we run from place to place trying to get encouragement, but I'm just going to tell you what, sometimes there's a zigzag that's just so bad that you have no choice but to encourage yourself in the Lord. Another version says that David found courage. Oh, he found courage in the Lord. Joshua was told, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. How can you not be anything but courageous if you really know that God is with you? He's with you like a mighty warrior. The Bible says just stand still and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Ziklag is in devastation, and the Bible says that the Amalekites had caused that. Now, it's really important that you understand the word Amalekite there. It means dweller in the valley. It's, it's a picture of the flesh warring against the spirit. You say, well, Rhea, how do you get that? Well, the Amalekites were descendants of Esau. You'll remember Esau. Esau and Jacob, the twins, you know, you know the story. Esau was the firstborn. Therefore, he's entitled to the birthright. That's really important in Bible times. It, it's major. Do you understand that you and I, you and I are firstborn. We are entitled to an inheritance. We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Do you understand that? And there is privilege. And there's an inheritance that goes along with that. And so many of us are really doing what Esau did. You see, Esau, he really, the Bible says that he despised his birthright. He didn't value the birthright. He didn't understand uh, how, how, how valuable that birthright was. And the Bible says that he sold it. He, he sold it to Jacob, his, his, his younger brother. He, he sold his twin, but younger. He sold it for a meal. Now, some of you can just read right over that and say, no big deal, Rhea. He sold it for a meal, but you don't understand the bigger picture. He sold it 
to satisfy his hunger. He sold it to, to feed his fleshly appetite. Oh, so interesting to me, church. How often we don't value the birthright. We don't value the inheritance that we have in Christ and that we will so pilfer it away oh, on, on things that, that, that try to, to satisfy our, our fleshly appetite where we're hungry for something of the world and we will throw away our inheritance in Christ just to satisfy that fleshly appetite. One glimpse at a computer screen or cheating on our taxes or getting into an affair or... What is it? What is it? That you will throw away your inheritance or not value it because you want to feed your fleshly appetite. Esau is a picture of a fleshly man. Jacob, the deceiver, when he wrestled with God, his name got changed. Does anybody know what his name was changed to? Israel. And, and Israel is a picture of the spiritual man. And, and Hebrews warns us. He says, don't do what, I, what Esau did. He threw away his birthright. And after that, he wanted it back, but he couldn't get it. This is a picture of us living according to the, the flesh instead of according to the spirit. This week, my mother-in-law was over, and we were talking about a friend of ours who, who really made a bad choice. And, and I said, Jill, what, what would ever possess somebody to do that? Help me understand this. And she said, oh, Rhea, that's easy. I'm like, that's easy? And she said, yes. They were just, they were just following after the flesh instead of the spirit. They were feeding their flesh and indulging in fleshly appetite instead of the Spirit. Church, yes, you're saved by grace. Absolutely, positively, there is nothing you can do to change that. It is not by work so that no man can boast, but there's a protection in following after the Spirit and not after the flesh. So the word says that, that, that if you turn over, I want you to just see one more passage. Turn over to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. This is so good. And then also to Deuteronomy 24. Put your finger in both of those passages. Deuteronomy 24. Exodus 17 and Deuteronomy 24. Let's start with Deut Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, 25, verse 17. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. Here again, we're talking about the, the Amalekites, and remember, the Amalekites is a picture of our flesh. Remember what Amalek did to you, uh, uh, did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stranglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. As the, the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and they were being led out of slavery into the promised land, what happened was the people in the rear, you see, I don't know about you, but if I was in that rank, I would want to be because who's leading them? They're led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Now, if, if, you, if you were those Israelites, where would you want to be? Would you want to be in the clear back of the rank, or would you want to be as close to that cloud as you could possibly get? I don't know about you, but I want to be right up there in the front with that cloud, anybody besides me. And so it's important that you see in this passage that, that the Amalekites, the flesh, came after the people who were in the rear. 
the ones who were tired and weary, the ones who were weak. It's a picture of the enemy, the flesh even, coming after us when we're weak. I have uh, written in, in one of my Bibles, Halt, because it's, interesting. it's a reminder to me when I'm hungry, H, when I'm uh, angry, A, when I am lonely, L, when, when I am tired, T, that there is a, the enemy has an advantage. It's my weakness. I'm vulnerable at that time, and I want to always halt. I want, before I do anything, I want to make sure that I'm not stepping into somewhere I shouldn't be stepping because you're vulnerable when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And the Bible says that the Amalekites came after them, what, what, the rear, the, the weak ones, the one who were weary and tired. Oh, church, be aware, be alert. If you're here tonight and you're just weary, you're just tired, you're run down, don't be vulnerable. Watch that your flesh doesn't rise up and try to take you out. And so what happened is the, the Amalekites, uh, they came and they tried to, to bring them down. They tried to get them. They wanted to catch them off guard. They wanted to keep them and block them and hinder them from going into the promised land. And I just want to tell you, God's got a promised land for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the enemy of your soul and your very flesh wants to rise up and keep you from, from taking possession of all that God has for you in that land. Don't be unaware. It's interesting that um, Saul, in another passage, one of these passages that I, I took you to, Saul, uh, God said, I want you to go in and defeat the Amalekites. Again, symbolic of the flesh. And, and he says, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And, and God stresses it over and over. And at one point he says, don't leave anything alive. Make sure you utterly destroy it. Anybody know what Saul did? He goes in and he does destroy a lot, but he, he takes some token good stuff. You know, he takes the king. He takes some livestock. And he utterly destroys everything except a few things that he looks at as good. Isn't that interesting when God says to us, I want to utterly destroy that flesh because you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. I want you to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. Don't, don't satisfy that fleshly appetite. And yet, what do we do? Lord, you can take this and you can take that, but I got a little secret sin right here that I'd really like to coddle a little bit. I, I just don't want you to mess with that in my life. I promise you, it will bring you down. I promise you, it will bring you down. And so Saul didn't destroy everything, and, and he came back. And do you know what happened? It was at that point that God rejected him as king. God rejected him as king. He wants us to utterly destroy the flesh. So I want you to see here. So David comes, comes uh, into this town, and, and, and they decide that they're going to go out. And, and he takes 600 men to go, find the, to go find their wives and their children and to take back plunder. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but when, when I've realized what the enemy has stolen from me, I have made up my mind that I'm going to plunder his camp. I don't know about you, but if he takes from me, I'm taking back double. I'm taking back double. And it's time, church, that we understand what is ours and we stop letting the enemy steal it. We stop letting him plunder our camp and we go plunder his for a change. And so David decides he's going to go plunder the enemy's camp as soon as he can find them. And, and he takes 600 men with him. And look at that. I, I just want you to, to flip back to 1 Samuel 30 again. 
And the word says that, that they came to the brook Basor. Now, you need to know that the word Basor means ch ch cheerful. And the word brook there means a torrent. A torrent is a, a, a tumultuous outpouring. It's a, it's a large, oh, I just want to get this right. It's a, um, a large amount of something that is released quickly, a torrent. I, I, that's what happens in our Ziklag. We just get overwhelmed by something, some, a bad decision or, or some, something comes at you or, or maybe you're just getting nailed and nailed and nailed and nailed and nailed with stuff and, and it's just a torrent coming down on you. They got to the brook of Bashor, the Bashor, they got to the, the torrent of cheerful. See, you're not with me because if you really got this and understood this, you'd be wowing it. You'd be hallelujah in it because I want you to see that they left 200 behind there. 200 men refused to cross that brook. 200 men were so weary, they were so exhausted, they couldn't deal with it anymore. They decided to just sit and have a pity party of one. I'm giving up. See, some of you face your ziklag that way. You get so far, you, you make up your mind you're going to fight the enemy, and then you just get exhausted, you get weary in the battle, you get tired of everything being poured out upon you, because trouble doesn't ever come just from one. I'm telling you it doesn't. You get plummeted, and I'm just going to tell you, you've got to make up your mind that you are crossing that place, and you are going to pursue and get back, and you are going to recover all. But that's what happened. 200 men decided they're going to stay back. And so David doesn't say anything about it. He takes the 400, and, and as they're leaving to go, to go find their, their wives and children, they meet an, Egypt, an Egyptian slave of an Amalekite. Oh, I wish I could park there and just preach that for a little bit, because I'm just going to tell you, this slave tells them exactly where to go to find the Amalekites, <laughs> and he tells them how to do it. And, 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 and I, just, I, I just I want you to see this, because this is, this is just so awesome. Look at verse 13. David says to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, slave of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind. And then he goes on to say, do you want me to tell you where, where to find them? As long as you promise not to hurt me, I will lead you right to them. I'll lead you right to them. I, I just love that. He's a slave of the Amalekites. See, some of you have been a slave to the flesh. I, I just want to tell you, I have been a slave to the flesh. I, I've done some things. I've lived in the pig pen, and I have been a slave to the flesh. I have served the flesh more than I've served the Lord for, for a number of years. And I, I understand the pig pen. I understand what it's like to be a slave. But when you finally get free after you're a slave, you will find other people that want to defeat that enemy, and you will tell them how to do it. I don't, know, I don't know much about a lot of things, but you find where my weakness was that the Lord overcame in my life, that the Lord redeemed in my life, and, and, I rub, and you rub shoulders with me if you have that same weakness, and I promise you, I will tell you how to get free. Because what you've tasted of yourself, you'll pass on to somebody else. It's a picture of redemption. God does it. The Bible says that we comfort others with the same comfort we ourselves have received. When you've seen God do it once in your life, that's why I always will have somebody, if, if we're praying for healing, if we're praying for deliverance, I will find somebody who's been healed of the same thing, and I'll have them lay hands on that person. Because you see, they've got faith for it. They've seen God deliver them once. They've seen God heal them once. And so they have no trouble understanding that, of course, God would want to heal this other person. He's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for them, he'll do it for this other person found a slave of an Amalekite who had been set free, and, and let me just tell you where to find the enemy. Let me just help you defeat him. 
And so he leads them right to, right exactly to the place where they could find him. Flip over to 2 Samuel 1. 2 Samuel 1. I know I'm taking you all over the place tonight, but I just want you to see a couple things. 2 Samuel 1, verse 7. This is Saul, the death of Saul. And, and it's, it's talking about how Saul died. And you know Saul was wounded in battle, and, and he, wanted, he, he knew he just wanted to be finished off. And, and the Bible says this, there was a young man there who told him, as it happened by chance, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and, he, and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, and my life still remains in me. So I stood over him, and I killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head, and the bracelet that was on his arms, and I have brought them here to my Lord. This is an Amalekite coming to David. And he's reporting. Now remember, David could have killed Saul many, many times, but, but he decided to honor the Lord. He understood what it was like to not touch God's anointed. And, and now here is this Amalekite flesh who, who says, I, I, I helped Saul die. He, he, was, he was leaning on his sword, and, and I just finished him off. Hmm. He was fallen. And I just finished him off. I, are you with me? You see, sometimes the enemy will get you in that vulnerable place where you're fallen. You've succumbed to temptation. You, you've messed up. Your, your life is in shambles. And then uh, the flesh will come along and say, let me finish you off. Let's really dive deep into this addiction. Let, let's really go deep into this affair. Let, let me finish you off. Do you see that he stripped him of his crown? See, that's what the enemy wants to do. Your royalty, and he knows it. And he's after your authority. He wants to strip you of your crown, strip you of your royal garments. Flip over to Revelation 3.11. Maybe you're not getting blessed by this like I did this week, but, but I'm just telling you, I, this is just good stuff. Revelation 3, verses 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one take your crown. This Malachite came and reported to David and he says, I stripped him of his crown and finished him off. So important that we don't walk according to the flesh, that we don't give the flesh that kind of power in our life because it's after our authority, it's after our crown. One other place you see the Amalekites, you say, well, Rhea, what hope does this give for me? My flesh is strong. You know the story where Moses and Aaron and Hur are up on the mountain and Joshua is down in the valley and he is fighting the Amalekites. Remember the story? Fighting the flesh, battling the flesh. <laughs> And what's Moses doing? The Bible says that Moses took the rod of God. Now, the rod of God stands for God's authority, but it also stands for his supernatural power. Who knows that, that Moses, what did he do with the rod? He did lots of uh, great things, didn't he, with that rod, and they were all supernatural. So it's a picture of God's supernatural power. And Moses takes that rod, 
and he, he climbs up higher because you see we got to go higher. If we, if we really want to defeat the flesh, if we really want to walk in victory and not defeat, we, we need to go up higher with, with God. And, and Moses went up higher and, and he climbed that mountain and he took that rod with him, that staff with him. And, and the Bible says that when he raised his hands, Joshua was prevailing, that the Israelites were prevailing. But when, when he got weary and tired and he put his arms down, what happened? The Amalekites were winning. And, and so uh, Aaron and Hur got, got, got a picture of that and they, they started to understand what's happening. And so they took his arms and they propped him up on some stones. And it's a picture of being propped up on the rock. And, and then they helped him lift his arms up because they understand as long as his arms are raised, the Amalekites are being defeated. We raise our arms in surrender. We raise our arms in prayer. I'm gonna tell you, if we want to defeat the flesh, we need to climb up higher we need to walk in the authority that we've been given. We need to watch God's supernatural power because if you're trying to defeat the flesh in your own power, good luck with that. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how, how great your will is. I promise you, you cannot defeat the flesh. In your, it will only take a matter of time before you're fallen like Saul, before the flesh overtakes. You see, the flesh is defeated and God's supernatural power at work in your life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you, and he wants to overcome that flesh in you. You do not have to walk according to the flesh. You can walk according to the Spirit. You say, well, Rhea, I am saved by grace. Absolutely. There is nobody here tonight happier that they are saved by grace than this girl you're looking at, because I've done it all. I I'm not ashamed to admit it. I don't like to admit it, but I'm going to tell you what. I have done it all. And I stand before you saved by grace. Not by works. Rhea could not fix herself. I couldn't work my way into heaven. I did not deserve. If there's anybody that did not deserve to be saved, you are looking at her. And, and, and so I was saved by grace. And I understand that there is nothing I can do to work myself there. There's nothing I can do to keep myself there. I am saved by grace and kept by grace. But the Bible says that we are saved by grace unto obedience. For obedience. And see, I think we forget about that. And you can rock on with your bad self. You can live your life saying, I'm saved by grace. I can live however I want. Yes, rock on with your bad self. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a miserable life for you. Because as long as we cater to that flesh and we use, it as, we use the excuse that I can be saved by grace and that I can just ask forgiveness and, and, and everything's great, well, great. Live defeated. I really don't care. But here's what I know. When you walk by the Spirit and you don't satisfy the flesh, there's power there. There's power there. Do you understand that? Moses went up higher, he raised his hands, and when his hands were up, the flesh was being, the Amalekites were being defeated. The Bible says that they fought until the going down of the sun. It means it's a lifetime of battle with the flesh. Do you know that? We're going to fight it till the day we die. The word says that Joshua defeated the Amalekites with the edge of the sword. Do you know what the sword is symbolic of in the word of God? If you look at the uh, armor of God, the sword is our only offensive weapon. The, the sword of God, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the Word says that Joshua defeated the Amalekites with the edge of the sword, the sharpest part of the sword. We gotta keep our swords sharp, guys. We gotta keep them sharp. Back to our story. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he sought the Lord and he said, should I go get him or, or what should I do? And he inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, go and get him and recover all. Oh, 
not just recover some things, not just take a little bit back, but I just want you to know, recover all. And the Bible says that everything that was taken, everything that was plundered from their camp was restored, and, and he recovered all. He recovered all. Here's what I know. Today I was reading in Isaiah 40, and it said, you know the scripture, those who wait upon the Lord. Let's just look at it. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah comes before Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I was reading this, this, and it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I, I wonder if you're in a sick lack tonight, if, if you're surrounded by devastation, if you're surrounded by destruction, if you're in the midst of tribulation or trial, can I just tell you that those who wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, that word wait means to put their expectation and their hope in the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I, I wonder if anybody here tonight needs renewed strength. If they're weary, if they're tired, if they're sick of the battle, can I tell you, wait upon the Lord. Put your expectation and your hope in him and you will, your strength will be renewed. It says they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If I am fainting, if I am weary, if, if I am uh, running and finding myself weary, if I'm not soaring on wings like eagles, I need to ask myself why. And it'll be because I'm not waiting upon the Lord. I'm not putting my hope and expectation in him. It's interesting, the beginning of that, that uh, chapter starts with prepare the way of the Lord. And that word prepare means to, to, tune, to turn oneself to look at anything, to regard a person or a thing, to look towards any direction. And this is what I love. It means to put your house in order. Prepare the way of the Lord. Leslie stopped in at my house last night. I, I'd spent the day working in my lawn. I had mowed my lawn, and, and, and I, was, I was dragging grass tripping, clippings in my house, and I'd worked in the flower beds, and I'd been planting, and, and I had my sinks were covered with, with dirt from washing my hands, and my house is always neat. I, I just like a neat house. It's just a real thing, and, and so I really don't like anybody to ever see my house a mess. I'm really kind of particular about that, and, and so I really was just going to clean it up that night before bed, and, and there were dishes in the sink. Kendall had been snacking while I was out working in the lawn, and, and so I get a call from Leslie. I'd run to the bank or to the post office and I was dropping something off and my phone rang and, and it was Leslie and she said, I'm at your house. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> she said, I'm in your house. And I'm like, oh, you saw my house. And I said, my house is a wreck. I just wanted to die. I'm like, you, my house is a wreck. And she said, Rhea, your house is never a wreck. And I'm like, my house is a wreck. I don't want you in there. <laughs> and so I drove home as fast as I could and I'm tidying up as I'm talking to her. Some of you understand that. Some of you don't. Leslie does not understand that. But, but when I read that today, to put your house in order, I thought to myself, I want to cringe if my best friend comes in my house when it's a wreck. Anybody with me? I, I, I don't want you coming to visit me unless you call because I want to tidy up my house before you come. Prepare the way of the Lord to put your house in order. What if we lived like Leslie thinks I live, that my house is never a mess? <laughs> what if we really live that way? See, I, I read today, pursue holiness. 
pursue holiness. We're to pursue it, chase after it. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aim for perfection. Live to please him, because he's already pleased with you. I said this to the, the ladies in prayer tonight. You see, the, the, the burden is off. If you understand, he's already pleased with you. You can mess up and fail, and it's okay. See, it makes it so much easier to aim for perfection then, doesn't it? And to pursue holiness, because if I mess up, he's okay with it. He understands I'm fallen. He understands I'm flesh. <laughs> he understands that I'm dust. And I'm saved by grace. There's lots of room for error there. And the knowledge that I'm saved by grace makes me want to aim for perfection and keep my house in order. Keep my house in order. Jill said to me this week, that's easy, Rhea. How could somebody do that? Because they were just following after the flesh instead of after the spirit. I told you last week, I'm concerned, church. I'm concerned about where our churches are headed. I'm concerned. See, I can say this because I really don't care if you come back. I don't. I don't have to please men. I don't have to, 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 to say what you want me to say. I don't have to tickle your ears. I'm free to preach the whole gospel unapologetically. But I'm going to tell you what, as long as you sit under this teaching, you're going to hear the whole gospel. And I am concerned that we've watered down our message to, to tickle ears, to please a listening audience. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that we minimize holiness anymore. I'm concerned that, 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 we, that we really play down living to please the Lord. That we've learned to excuse our sin and we call it grace. I'm concerned about that. Am I perfect? Far, 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 far from it. But here's what I've learned in my life. That when I chase after the flesh, the worldly things, the fleshly appetites, because I got some appetites, anybody besides me. I, I just want to tell you, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I got appetites. But I've learned, I, I've lost some weight, and it's because I learned <laughs> that I can say no to my appetite. Imagine that. I don't have to have a candy bar. I can say no. And it shows. I don't have to have sex outside of marriage and feed my appetite. And it'll show in my life. Do you see it? I don't have to get angry and lose my temper and feed my fleshly appetite and give my flesh what it wants because I can choose to follow after the Spirit and it'll show in my life. Are you with me? And so I'm concerned, church, that we've lost sight of, I have a choice. I'm coming to a crossroads in my life, and I can either follow after the flesh in this situation, or I can follow after the spirit. I have a choice. Upset before your life and death, he says, choose. Are you going to choose right all the time? No. There's grace. But man, could we avoid a whole lot of pain and heart. we just did what the Father tells us to do. If we just said, this is the way to life, and I'm going to follow it, 
I'm not giving my crown up. I understand the inheritance that I have. And I'm not going to let the flesh defeat and steal from me any longer. David recovered all. Some of you are in a ziklag right now. Some of you are in a place of pressing right now where you've been burdened, you've been hurt, you've got a lot of trials, you've got a lot of tribulation going on in your life. Your life is a wreck right now. And, and, and you can understand that scripture that says, everything I treasure lies in ruins at my feet. Maybe your child's addicted. Maybe your child's a prodigal. Maybe your marriage is a wreck. Maybe your finances are a wreck. Maybe your health is a wreck. Maybe you're going to lose your home. It's your ziklag. Bible says that David recovered all. It's time, church, that we start realizing the promises of God are for us. They're yea and amen to those who believe. I was whining to the Lord the other day and whining to Leslie and whining to Dave and <laughs> and then the Lord said to me, why don't you just start finding one thing today to praise me about in the midst of this? My gas really kind of hard right now, Lord. Last night I was driving my Jeep, and it started a fire, and <laughs> all this liquid started coming out from underneath it, and Dave isn't home, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe one more thing. can't believe it. So I got somebody to follow me to Firestone, dropped it off, and I called him this morning, and I'm like, Lord, I'm going to find something to praise you. I'm going to praise you that my Jeep broke down. I'm going to praise you that I wasn't in Chicago when my Jeep broke down. I'm going to praise you that I was able to drive it to Firestone. I was going to praise you for that, Lord. I know that someplace in there, that I need to praise you in the midst of this. Firestone called me. I, I called, I, we know this guy, Bob, there, and I'm like, Bob, it's Rhea. <laughs> dropped my Jeep off. Dropped all this water. Oh, he says, that doesn't sound good. I'm like, it smells like fire. It was steam coming out of my engine. And I have almost 200,000 miles on that Jeep. And I'm like, oh, it's a transmission. I know it's a transmission. We won't have another car to drive. What am I going to do? And he said, Rhea, let me take a look at it. I'll call you back. And he said, it might be late afternoon until you hear from us. And maybe about a half hour later, he calls me. And he said, Rhea? And I'm like, yeah, just tell me. And he said, uh, it was a clamp on your hose. And... $29. I found something to praise the Lord about in my ziklag. David recovered all. What tribulation are you in? What are you facing? You and the Lord are a majority, not a minority. And it's time that we start taking back what is ours taking back children that have gone astray, taking back an addicted spouse, an addicted child, an addicted self, taking back joy that was stolen from you, taking back peace of mind, taking back the health that God says that by his stripes you were healed. It's time. It is time. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website 
www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.